What's going on, everybody? Before we get into this podcast and to the usual intro, I just want to apologize for the website being down. I don't know if anyone has tried to go on recently, but the website is currently not what it normally is, uh, and I can't get on to post articles or to upload any podcasts. So this podcast won't be uploaded directly to the website as of right now, but as soon as I get the ability to, I will post an article and I will post this podcast directly there for those that like to source it directly from the website. That being said, let's get into today's episode. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to today's episode of the B3 Podcast. We've got a number of things to go over, some international break news, why this upcoming match is going to be so important, Uzmanov's interest in helping Moshiri, and Sigurdsson's form and what it could do for the club and our climb up the table. All that, amongst other news, in this episode of the B3 Podcast. podcast. We've got a whole number of things to cover, uh, being that it's the international break. Um, there's going to be a little less specifics, a little less match coverage. It's been a few days, over a week, I guess, since our last match. So I'll, I'll cover that, I mean, great goal by Gilfie Sigurdsson, but I'm not going to go much into the into that match specifically. Um, to jump right into it, uh, the first thing that I'll go over is Guys that were in a training match, so there was a behind-closed-doors training match uh, last week that involved some of the injured guys that have been out for quite some time, like James McCarthy. He suffered that leg break against West Brom a long, long time ago. He was in this training match. It was 60 minutes long, so they played in that match. Um, Yerry Mina, which is great to see. He suffered a very minor setback, which was blown out of proportion by the media. He just basically wasn't fit for one more game, I guess. I, I don't even know if he, if Silva was thinking of playing him in this past game, but he played in this behind-closed-doors match, as did Gomez uh, and Benny Benigami as well, uh, the young kid. I don't know that he would really have a spot in the team anyway as of right now. Um, he could. I mean, he played great when he featured last season. I think that he has great potential, uh, but I don't know that. Silva would be looking to put him in the squad, but he does trust the kids, so I wouldn't put it past him if he did. <clears throat> um, so that basically covers injury news. Seamus Coleman's still out, of course. Now, going into 
briefly into the this last match against Leicester when Gilfie Sigurdsson scored that absolute screamer. Best, I mean, best goal so far this season from one of our players. I, I don't know if it's the goal of the season in the in the league uh, necessarily, but it, it, it could be. It's definitely a contender. But that was an absolute screamer, and I think that it shows that the the team, yes, we need a striker that can score goals that we can rely on day in and day out, which Richarlison has been up until recently scoring goals left, right, and center. But the team has to share the goals as of right now, and Sigurdsson is on absolute on an absolute tear right now. He didn't score for Iceland today. Iceland just lost to Switzerland in the UEFA Cup, like that new the new UEFA League or whatever it is. Um, so that's like the fir- that's the first game he hasn't scored in in quite some time. But I mean, all in all, the main thing about Sigurdsson right now is that he needs to ride this wave of form that he's in. Hopefully, this this poor performance by Iceland in the international break doesn't set it back or, or take the wind out of his sails, but he's been fantastic and we need, and we need to hope that he continues that. I think that he can be a pivotal player to Everton's climb up the table. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't, I don't know that anyone would disagree with that. I think that when he's in top form, that the club is also in top form. He, he just needs to be, needs to be in the game essentially. So, Going on to some other news, I mean, there's not much going on that's like super pressing or like headliney, but another interesting piece of news would be that Uzmanov said uh, in the past couple of weeks that he's been interested in helping Farhad Moshiri. So, for those that don't know, Uzmanov had in the past had a stake in Arsenal and he sold his shares slowly. Uh, he is he he owns the company that sponsors Finch Farm, the training ground. So the USM Finch Farm, that's that's Uzmanov, that's him his sponsorship. Now recently, to the best of my knowledge, he's completely sold his shares of Arsenal now, so he's not a stakeholder in Arsenal any longer. And he was quoted in saying recently that he, well, he said that we, so I'm assuming that it's a group like the Uzman. I guess there's a number of the group, the guys in Uzmanov or a group of wealthy guys that are just, you know, in, in the uh, football investing world said that he's spoken to Farhad Moshiri and that it's not where Moshiri wanted it to be. He's like the club isn't where Moshiri wanted it to be as of now. And that Uzmanov is willing to help because um, he's a friend, which is huge. Now, I think that that's math. I mean, that's very important to the club. And I think that it's, again, kind of a not a not a following of, but um, kind of a similar situation to how Man City were went from being you know not a not a nobody club, but definitely not what they are now, to European like you know UEFA contenders, Champions League contenders, and and always like favorites to win the league for the past couple of years, you know season season in season out. That they got bought out by the Abu Dhabi group, which is a group of investors, obviously, and it's by one head sheikh, Sheikh Mansour. He obviously is the main guy with the money, but it's a group of guys. And I think that having a group of investors behind the club, even if it's like a like one or two times, because the, the important thing is that if you 
as of right now, I mean, a, a kind of a situation where like Marco Silva is bringing in players that aren't necessarily humongous names or like the best names in football, but by having certain players brought in and by having a, a manager of Marco Silva's stature, it's bringing players in that may not have come in under other managers. I mean, we saw a little bit of it under Koeman, but n- not really. I mean, there wasn't necessarily that many notable signings under Koeman. Um, I mean, Vlasic is doing very well for CSK Moscow and in the Champions League. He scored that solo goal against Real Madrid. Got them the three points in the group stage, which is huge. But Marcos, the point is, is that Marco Silva is bringing players in, and that if we can get more money, that we can pay higher salaries or higher transfer fees, and bring in a couple of bigger names, names that are, you know, spoken about week in and week out in the media, or just guys who are always performing week in and week out. If you can, get, if you can make that one purchase, other players will follow. So. I mean, right now it was Richarlison who everyone had their doubts about. He came in and he had a fantastic start. He's a little quiet now, but you know, I I think that it's just temporary. With Richarlison coming in, brought Bernard. Obviously, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva wanted them in, but Bernard was quoted in saying that having Marco Silva there was part of the reason why he moved, and then it helps obviously to have Richarlison there. So they're both Brazilian. They they get along well. They linked up in this past game, scoring the goal together. So little things like that can cause great growth and can cause exponential growth, as would a group of investors. You you make that one big name purchase, and then other players are oh wow so so and so went to Everton, uh, you know that might be a place to go. And then when their agents contacted, if everyone's reaching out or they're talking amongst friends or talking amongst other players that are at Everton, they they say. You know, you know, it wouldn't be such a bad idea to go, and then they can maybe ease up on contract negotiations. We can acquire more players for less if their contract is non-negotiable, but we still want them with this extra money from a group that brings guys in. And I think that that's a, a huge part of what happened with Man City. Once they bring one or two big names in, and same thing with like Joe Hart stayed, Pickford's going to stay. All these little things are pointing to Everton moving in the right direction, and we need to be patient. But I think that there's a lot of things that are positive right now and that are showing good growth. Kind of segueing into the transfer style of discussion, the one recent rumor that was going around that was very quickly snuffed out by the head media guys at Everton was that Samir Nasri, who's been currently banned or currently serving a ban for... Uh, like it wasn't drug use. It, it, what happened was, for those that are have this notion that he was, you know, shooting up steroids or using HGH or something crazy, that's not the case. He was, I think, he was at Sevilla at the time, and he went to one of those like IV clinics. Like you can go and you can get fluids um, that have some micronutrients and um, different, uh, you know, minerals and, and different things that are in there. That can help kind of boost your, like you can stay hydrated and, and it kind of boosts your performance. Not really, but it just keeps him hydrated basically. And what happened was he was in training and he felt sick. And he went into this clinic. 
he was he was vomiting he was nauseous he said he felt lightheaded and he, he went into this clinic and got this iv with you know it was just fluids basically and then with the micronutrients in it now according to the world anti-doping agency you're not allowed or you're not supposed to get more than 500 milliliters of any fluid in less than six hours or less than five hours and I think part of that has to do with uh, like fighters. I think when like UFC fighters or professional fighter, professional wrestlers or anything that need to weigh in, they could just aggressively wake up by dehydrating, which they do anyway, but they could do it to a, a extreme extent. And then once they weigh in and they make that low weight because they're, you know, 15, 20 pounds down just by dehydration, then they can just go into a clinic and they can get fluids intravenously and you know, their, their weight skyrockets back up, they're rehydrated, which obviously doesn't really translate to football. But I think with, um, I think, I don't know if it's FIFA or UEFA or whoever is linked with, uh, the world anti-doping agency kind of, I guess it carries over and he breaks that rule. Anyway, long story short, he wasn't shooting up steroids and he's serving the ban anyway. But as soon as there was a rumor going around that he was going to come to the club, the head media guys at Everton were like, that is just not true. They quickly snuffed it out, and that rumor has kind of quieted down. Haven't heard anything beyond what had been discussed. Moving into general, kind of general news or general international break news, uh, the Everton youngsters were hugely, hugely, uh, like, well, they, they performed very, like, extremely well against I mean Andorra you know I don't know if there's any anyone from Andorra or any Andorra fans out there but no offense it's not a huge team not a you know not a huge football country so them winning this is the U20 England's U23s I think or U21s so in that this isn't even like the full squads necessarily but uh, it was U21s and they won they beat Andorra 7-0 which is I mean humongous but more importantly to Everton fans. Davies played the whole 90 minutes and he assisted a goal. Calvert Lewin played 73 minutes and he scored twice. Lookman played 73 minutes and he scored and made an assist as well. And Kenny played 73 minutes and made an assist. So that's, what's that? One, one, two, three, four Everton players that are just, I mean, pivotal in, in the game. So there's been, there were seven goals total. So Davies made an assist to one of those. Calvert-Lewin scored two of them. Lookman scored one and made an assist. And Kenny assisted one as well. So that's six involvements. I don't know how many are carried up, like carried over. Like who, you know, if, if Kenny's assist went to, uh, you know, Lookman or, or to DCL. But, I mean, that's six out of seven goals had an Everton players involved in it, which is, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I think that's something that we can pay attention to and I think that it's big for the club under a manager like Silva who puts so much trust in the youngsters like I said before I mean Benny Beningami might not feature but he, the likes of Davies is he's a week in week out starter like he's played every game um, so I mean it's it's you know something to look at something to pay attention to and I mean it's something to be proud of too because Everton youngsters have been performing well for over the past couple of years when, you know, the U21s, you know, they won that World Cup. And um, with this new, 
uh, goalkeeper as well. He's um, the the backup keeper, obviously. He's he won the Euros with uh, Portugal. I mean, that's I mean, there's a lot of positive things going on with the youngsters, and even small acquisitions, like not small acquisitions, but not everyday starters, uh, having guys on the team like that. That's that's uh, something to pay attention to. It's something to be proud of. That's uh, something to be excited about. Next on the list would be why this match coming up against Crystal Palace is huge. I mean, I think all the games right now, because of our semi-poor start, are very important. But this upcoming week is is humongous because I think that it's a huge opportunity for us to move up the table and very quickly. Um, so next weekend's match... Every, all the other matches in the league provide an opportunity for us to leap up to, uh, in best case scenario, eighth place. Um, and only a couple points behind the top six if all things go properly, which in a lot of these matches, which I'll go through right now, seems in with how recent matches have gone that they'll probably be in our favor. So Man U is away at Chelsea. They just had that Huge comeback against Newcastle, but Chelsea is on fire right now. Eden Hazard is absolutely tearing the league apart. So Man U away at Chelsea, that's not going to be easy. That wouldn't be easy for anybody, uh, especially a struggling Man United. So they could, Chelsea could easily take three points away there. So, I mean, that's kind of like a, you know, if we beat Palace, that would be kind of like six points. Then a six-pointer between Wolves and Watford. So it's, you know, uh, like they're both right next to each other. They're right underneath each other. So if one, you know, when one loses or one wins, one's getting points where the other isn't. So it's, you know, what you would call a six-point match. So in best-case scenario, it might be a draw because if they draw, Wolves doesn't go much further up the table. And it wouldn't affect us being in eighth place at all. It wouldn't make a difference. So best case scenario would be a draw or a Wolves win, I guess. But if we win and Watford loses, we we leap either close to them or above them. And then Leicester is away at Arsenal, who are on equal points with us right now, I believe, or like one point above us. So it's just another opportunity for us to kind of just move up the table with one win. Like one win can serve a huge, you know, uh, just a number of possibilities. So looking at the table now, yeah, it goes uh, from 8th eighth, eighth to 11th, wherever it's currently. Goes Man United on 13, Watford on 13, Leicester and Everton both on 12. Leicester's in 10th, just on a uh, goal difference of one goal. So it's... You know, it's wide open right now. I mean, the whole league is wide open, but this this week for Everton is hugely pivotal because we can get 15 points, which would bring us up to, you know, eighth place. I mean, and if, if Wolves draw Watford, that they're on 60. They're currently on 15, so that would bring them to 16 and 7. So we're one point behind them. Uh, Bournemouth is sitting in sixth right now as well, and they're playing Southampton, which isn't really in our favor necessarily, but you never know. I mean... Southampton's been struggling. Bournemouth is doing very well, so maybe they're due for a loss. Um, and they're home as well, which is never an easy place to go, especially you know if you look at our recent performances against them, it's not been the, the greatest place for us to go recently. 
but it's a huge weekend for us as are most weekends but i think that this is a a great opportunity for for everyone to get a few points um or to create a, a bigger gap especially between the bottom half of the table just kind of start distancing distancing ourselves from that uh, and that would be you know take the pressure off a little bit string a couple of wins together see ourselves climb up the table and then get a little chatter going on instead of hearing about you know Watford's great start and Man United's you know struggles recently if we can start to string a couple wins together and move up the table we might get a little bit of chatter in the media and you know they'll be discussing how we're doing in the PL news and and you know the the daily shows you know that that chatter can you know some people might might overinflate their ego a little bit but it also just brings some confidence into the team and if Richarlison can find a score in boots again and Sigurdsson can keep it up and I think there's a lot of things that that are looking up right now Mina coming into the team Gomez possibly finding a spot it's a it's an exciting time Um, and I'm excited I mean god I don't know who enjoys the international break I mean I whenever that last match play is played on the previous weekend when that final whistle goes I'm just like you know damn it's gonna be you know two weeks a week and a half until we get to see anybody play again so I'm looking forward to this weekend and I think that it's a a great opportunity for us to that we need to cease we need to we need to stop dropping points against lower half teams and and really kind of make a statement and and bolster our confidence so that basically covers most of kind of what's gone on recently there's a few articles in the media I'd like to go over that uh both positive and I guess there's a couple negative um I won't really go into the negative ones necessarily because kind of some of it's just hogwash some of it's just them trying to get an article out because it's the international break and there's nothing to talk about but so I already spoke about everyone who's healthy again or or at least somewhat healthy played in that match uh today earlier today England were away in uh Seville against Spain and we got our first away win there in 30 years. And uh, Pickford was was in goal. So this is a Liverpool Echo article. They're discussing the the performance by everybody. Uh, but Pickford had a great game. Um, everyone really had a great game, uh, in all honesty. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just it was great to see. I mean, I I didn't get to see the match itself, but I. I um, was able to see uh, a couple of the highlights and it's just you know I mean if that aspect of Pickford's career can stay positive you can just kind of remain happy where he is I mean you know the, the more that goes wrong the more that might start sparking issues in his mind or, or you know internal monologues of him wanting to leave which clearly none of us want so I mean that's I mean that's positive news in, in my book at least uh, and then a few of them go over you know what constitutes progress for every 12 months since Ronald Koeman was sacked I think that's a lot a lot of just like uh, that's relative to who whoever you're talking to at the time I think uh, there's a few people that are wildly impatient which I discussed in uh, the last episode that everyone needs to kind of relax a little bit that it's very early uh, and that the table is wide open right now so there's not really anything to be kind of confused you know, or not not confused about, but worried about. I mean, it's just so early, and I think that everyone is confused, and that uh, you know everyone's starting to panic, and we're only it's what match week nine coming up, got a long way to go, so don't panic. Um, 
And then there's other ones that Kevin Morales admits he doesn't want to go back to Everton. I mean, as much as I liked him as a player when he was, you know, in form, I mean, if he doesn't want to come back, I'm not going to be too upset about it. I don't know how many other people would. I think that there's better players in the squad now. Um, I mean, he can get his playing time in Fiorentina if he wants it, but I think there's guys who deserve to be in the team more than he does anyway, so I don't know that that's really going to bother anybody. Um, and then kind of, you know, players that have earned have sold or players that have ever let out that, you know, maybe we could have regrets. I mean, maybe Vlasic we could be worried about. I don't know. Just another article I think that they're trying to just post out to make big news or, you know, just to get something out in the post. You get someone to buy or get someone to read. Uh, but really, I mean, mostly it's been it's been really, really positive news recently. I mean, everyone kind of coming back from injury. Uh, Uzmanov's interested but um, yeah I mean I think everything's kind of looking up currently and I don't think that uh, we have much to be worried about I think there's a lot to be excited about Um, let's move into switch over to the Guardian here so let's see so it's kind of more general news on the Guardian more than anything Um, but they're, one of the things they are talking about is Gilfie Sigurdsson making an amends to fire Everton towards victory over Fulham. So it's kind of just discussing his form. And then Gilfie Sigurdsson wonder strike gives Everton the win over 10-man Leicester. It's just kind of just discussing him more than anything and then just kind of general news covering um, Arsenal and Huddersfield. Um, Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea. That basically covers most of the things that have kind of gone on in the news recently. And just kind of one more general thing I'd say is that, uh, kind of alluding to what I just said previously, that there there has been over these past couple of weeks something to be concerned about, but there's also a lot to be happy about. and There's a lot to be, you know, proud of to, you know, I mean, you should always be proud to be an Everton fan and I think that the club has done some wonderful things over the over the years for the community but focusing more on their performances they gave us a couple of things to be worried about in the beginning of the season of course people had their doubts and of course you can kind of be worried a little bit but it's so early in the season I don't think that there's anything to be panicking about and the point that I want to make is that this is really a time to be excited and I know that I am, and I, and I know that a few other people who are not even Everton fans, friends of mine who have been paying attention to what's going on, and that they realize that there's there's something going on, that there's something that we can all be excited about. And I think that we all need to kind of latch on to that and kind of ride the wave out. I think we can look at everything that's going on, the new stadium coming on, the, the potential you know added investors, the Moshiri's been pretty good with money i mean he's he's not really been stingy we, we wanted to get a couple of players and we signed c- quite a few and and he's kind of back to the managers for the most part i haven't heard anything otherwise and i think with all the things that are going that are going on right now i think that we need to be excited rather than worried um and i think that everyone should kind of you know maybe muse over that and just kind of enjoy the moment a little bit and yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of losses and maybe we'll fall back down, but 
we can't let that roller coaster of early season woes kind of make us affect the club in a whole. Because, I mean, when fans are going to the games or fans are talking about stuff on social media, you, you don't know if the players are seeing that or not. And I think that we need to kind of lower the negativity a little bit and just be more positive in general. Just kind of be excited. There's a lot There's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that uh, that can be kind of discussed positively instead of us focusing, or I mean, not, not us as in me, but us as in Everton fans in general can just, you know, talk about the positive stuff instead of the negative stuff. I don't know. It doesn't need to be negative all the time. That being said, that about wraps up everything I want to talk about today. I'll be doing another one probably towards the end of the week and before the next match comes up. Maybe I'll do one after that game or during that game. We'll see. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, both at Blue Blood Bias uh, and at the B3 Podcast. Uh, we'll post on Instagram when new episodes are up, uh, and we'll also be posting different polls that you can vote in on Twitter as well. So get over to the site, look at that news page, follow us on social media, and let us know what you want us to discuss in the future. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to making the next one for you guys. The B3 Podcast.